Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Do I have a few minutes still? Am I okay? And, and if, thank you. Derek, I love you, brother. It's just you and me, the only people who agree with that statement right there. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God the game doesn't start till 530. Amen. Praise the Lord. This is a big day in America. It really is. It's, it's become so celebrated that we almost need to call it a, a, an American holiday. Super Bowl Sunday. What we're going to see today is, is, is two teams are going to square off to be called the champion. I just want to help you real quick right now. Yes, there's an enemy that's waging war against you. But sometimes that enemy remembers what you forget. He's waging war against the winner. <laughs> because of Jesus, you've already won. Somebody shout yes. Shout yes. Shout yes. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Hey, yes, the battle's still waging, but I've already won. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I will, I will do my best to, to get all this out today. If I don't get through this whole thing today, then I guess I'll just pick up somewhere next week, right? Reverend Dr. Only Brown, if I get closer to 5 o'clock, just let me know, sir. Yes. Pastor, you've been preaching for six hours. It's time to... <laughs> I'm, scaring, I'm scaring somebody right now. Hallelujah. <clears throat> the Chiefs and the Eagles. Any, any Chiefs fans in the house? Any Chiefs fans in the house? Okay. Any Eagles hands, fans in the house? Any Eagles fans? Wow. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, Kristen. Hallelujah. Come on, Chris, you can let him know. I've seen eagle. I see eagle in the Bible 33 times. Come on, somebody. 33 times the word eagle is in the Bible. Let's go. Until I read the name chief, and then I see it in like 230 times. Oh, Lord. That's going to be the final score. At least you know how to bet today. My whole point is just simply this. We're going to be watching this game today, and we're going to watch two teams square off and or maybe you won't. Maybe you, maybe you don't even care. Maybe you'll be like Jesus watching hockey in heaven. I don't know. I don't, I, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know what Jesus watches. So. But, but I, I grew up in, a, in an era watching the great Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. I fell in love with the game of football because of a man named Jerry Rice. I was like, boy, no wonder I love steak fried rice. So much. Jerry Rice. And then my cousin, my first cousin, Don Beebe, got drafted by the Buffalo Bills. And the next thing I know, I can't stand the Chicago Bears because I love the Bills. Because I love my cousin. And then to really make you Bears fans upset with me, my cousin then went to Green Bay. And one of my first years preaching as a pastor, I wore a Don Beebe Packers jersey to church. And I nearly got jumped in the parking lot by my parishioners. <laughs> here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned in watching Super Bowl since the, the late 80s. Here's what I've learned. Sometimes the best team wins. And sometimes the best scheme wins. I need you to know it's not always about the, the strongest team. Most times it's about the smartest team. We've called this, this series, Don't Be King Dumb. 
We need to know more than just religious motions and routine. We need to understand what Jesus established, what he brought to this planet, the kingdom of our God. What I see this is, as I watch NFL games, is most of you know about this, and if you've ever coached, you kind of know how this works, right? Like NFL teams are notorious for trying to hide their playbooks, hide their, their, their strategy and, and their scheme. And so, come on, you ever, you ever seen this? It cracks me up, right? You got these coaches like this, like... It's like, bro, even if you said it out loud, I'm going to have no idea what you're talking about, right? But, but here they are try, trying to be just, just dis disguised and, and, and hide the, 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 the strategy and the scheme. And, and I understand why, because think about, think about the advantage that the opponent would have if they knew what your next play was. If they, if they knew your entire strategy and scheme. Think of the advantage they would have. Christians, what kind of advantage would we have if we knew the playbook of our enemy? What kind of advantage would we have if we knew the schemes and designs of our adversary? Hmm. Maybe you don't know this, but Ephesians 6, 11 tells us to do something when it concerns the wiles of the devil. It says, put on the full armor of God so that, what, what, what do I need the armor for? So that you can actually stand Somebody has been knocked down for too long. I came to declare to your 2023, this is your year to finally stand. But I'm not, just, I'm not just standing because it feels good to say it. I'm putting something on that allows me to stand against the schemes, the wiles, the tricks, the cunning of Satan. I want to talk about this word right here, the devil's schemes. I want to talk about this word just for a moment, schemes. It's actually an interesting Greek word. The Greek word is methodeia or methodia, depending on, you know, tomatoes, tomatoes, however you say it, right? But here's what it means. Methodia means cunning. It means deceit. It means trickery. We actually, our English word method is devised from this word. So it's telling us that Satan has methods. He, he, he has a way of doing things. Second Thessalonians, Paul wrote this one time to the church in Thessalonica. He said this. He said, Satan will use every kind of evil deception to fool those who are on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. Here's the point I'm just simply trying to make, ladies and gentlemen. Clearly, according to scripture, Satan ain't king dumb. So if my adversary ain't king dumb, then maybe, just maybe, I need to graduate from being king dumb into the glorious kingdom knowledge of God. I really believe it's time that the church of Jesus Christ stop talking about being woke and just wake up. Just wake up, y'all. Wake up. Become aware of the enemy's schemes. Paul said like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, in order that Satan might not outwit us. Someone say outwit. For we are not unaware of his schemes. It's so interesting to me that, that, that Paul doesn't say, in order that Satan might not overpower us. That's not what he says. He says, don't let Satan outwit I've shared this before and I won't belabor on this, but, but the Bible tells us to be sober, right? Be awake, be vigilant. 
Why? Because your adversary, not God doesn't have an adversary. There's no equal to God. Your adversary, the devil, what does he do? He prowls, he roams like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He, he's stealthy, he's sneaky, he uses trickery and cunning to, to, to get up on you and, and take you out. The point that I'm just simply trying to make here from scripture is that nowhere do we see in scripture that Satan can overpower us. What he does is outwit us. So this battle is not about strength. This battle is about strategy. And I came to remind you, because of Jesus, Satan is not stronger than you. Yes, he's got power, but he's not stronger than you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want to remind you, if God opens a door, it doesn't matter what devil comes against you. When God makes a way, it doesn't matter how hell tries to stand in that path. If God be for us, who can be against us? It's not about who is stronger. That's king dumb. The kingdom is about who's smarter. Who's smarter here? Tonight we're going to watch two teams try to figure out each other's schemes. Just for the next few minutes, help me expose some of Satan's schemes. Yeah, let's expose them. I got eight of them. I don't even know how I'll get through all eight. Holy cow, I thought somebody just like, oh, Lord, Pastor. Where's my three points in a poem? Eight. Satan's been doing this a long time. I'm trying to give you a little bit deeper revelation than just your three points and a happy poem and a little prayer and I send you on your way. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Let's expose his first scheme. It's one he's most notorious for. Deception. Deception. It's been his number one tactic from the beginning. Deception. And how does he do it? He's a, he lies. He lies. Satan lies. And, and here's what I've seen in scripture. He's not really good at lying. He is a liar. I, I love watching Bishop Jakes when he's like, the devil is a lie. Not even a liar, just the devil is a You're exactly right, Bishop. The devil is a lie. And here's something that Jesus said that I hope he never says about you. You, John 8, 44, you belong to your father, the devil. If you want to carry out your father's desire, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all. All lies. Here's all lies. It's nothing more than an attempt to deceive someone in order to gain a measure of control over them. And that moment you begin to accept the lie, not only are you now deceived, but now you've actually come under the control of that liar. Lies are Satan's primary means of exercising his control. He would have us believe that when we fail to live a perfect life, there's something fundamentally wrong with us. But I came to tell you Satan's wrong. Yep. You're not defective. You've just been deceived. And I want to speak to everybody in this place that who's ever been deceived. Today you can be delivered. Somebody help me right now declare to every bit of deception I can be delivered from all the lies of the enemy. Why is that? Because I've got a champion who won the, the, won the battle for truth on that cross 2,000 years ago. I have power over all the power of the enemy, including his scheme of deception. Second thing is this. Well, I'm going to fly through this, huh? Suspicion. What are they saying about me? Nothing. Y'all crack me up at church sometimes. What are they going to think if I lift my hands? Nothing. 
you, you, just maybe you didn't know this, but most people are only thinking about themselves. Go ahead and get crazy and praise God and be stupid because nobody cares anyway. But we got this suspicion going on. It's a scheme of the enemy. He, 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 he makes us suspicious because he himself stirs suspicion in our thinking all the time. I mean, think about the very first recorded words of Satan in Scripture. Genesis 3.1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to Eve, the woman, he said, Did God really say? Did God really say? Did God, did God really say that? Did God really there's the suspicion, right? I'm stirring the suspicion through deception. Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? That's not exactly what, what God said. Look what Satan's trying to do. He's trying to get us to question God's word. Did God really say that? He's trying to get us to, to, to doubt God's love and goodness. The questions, the suspicion starts stirring up. So inevitably, I begin to doubt the word the love, the goodness of God. And look, look, look what happens in verse four. He tells Eve, you won't die. He, no, 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 no. God, God's withholding something from you. No, no, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Can I just help you real quick? Many of us are just like Eve. Let's just be honest. Most of our wrong choices are a result of wrongly answering this question. Did God really say? Oh, Lord, I'm about to get in trouble right now. I need you to know that Satan can never take away the promises of God from your life. He can't take them away. So you know what he does? He makes you hang a question mark over the top of them. Oh, okay. Did God really say? Did God really say that I can't explore my sexual identity? Did God really say that? Did God really say that I can't step out on my spouse because I'm feeling a little lonely at home? Did God really say? Did God, did God re really say that I, I, I can't step over the top of someone if I need to to get ahead in life? Did, did God really say I couldn't do that? Did God really say that, that I have to forgive others? Did he really say that? Did God really say that I need to give my tithe and offering? Did God really say, oh, pastor's back on money again. Here we go. Did, did God really say that I need to watch what I eat? Dang it. Dr. Brown, I was trying to, to, to build some friendships today, and I realize I'm trying to expose schemes here. Did, the reason I, I, I make wrong choices is because I wrongly answer the question, did God really say? How many times have we heard the enemy tell us, it seems like this Christian life is too restrictive. There's too many barriers. Uh, there's too many things keeping you from really enjoying life. Maybe God doesn't want that. And I want to tell you today, if you are suspicious of the goodness of God, here's a church slogan you need to get in your heart. God is good 
all the time. And all the time, God is... I came to speak to every suspicious mind in this place. God is good all the time. And all the time, God, you can't change who he is. Satan can't diminish who he is. I want you to know he's good all the time. And no matter where you are, what you're going through, how you feel about yourself, it doesn't change. He's good all the time. So stop being suspicious and just start regurgitating this slogan. It's churchy, but it's the truth. God is good. And all the time. Amen and amen. Let's expose another scheme. Let's expose another scheme. Distraction. Oh, Lord. Someone just turn their head real quick. Squirrel. 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 That's why I try to encourage you to turn off your cell phones in church, because I know what's going to happen the moment it goes off while I'm preaching. Who is it? Why are they calling you in church? Can I listen? <laughs> Distraction. This happens. Okay, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. Um, we never speak that we have ADD, right, or ADHD. We don't speak those things over ourselves, but we can be diagnosed with it. And when, uh, when they were trying to diagnose my oldest son, Justice, with it, they're like, well, it's hereditary. And Olga's like, well, my mind works great. Guess what I was doing? Oh, what was happening? Oh, I rebuked the devil. Amen. <laughs> Distractions. In the game of football, one of my, my most favorite plays to, to watch, because you can almost see when it's coming, is called the play action. Right? The, the play action pass. It's, it's when the, the quarterback, right, he, 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 he turns and he, he's going he's gonna to fake the handoff. Ooh, I almost didn't see that. How about and just so you know, I got a Tom Brady ball. It's a little, oh, watch out, a little deflated. Watch out. <laughs> oh, Pastor Olga, we love Tom Brady. We love him, amen, amen. That's her favorite guy. Sorry. Okay. So I love this play because, come here, Michael, come here real quick, come here. Because, because of the distraction it sets, right? If, you're, if your running game is running hard, I mean, Michael's just tearing it up on the field, right? He, he just, he's just running all over the team. So what ends up happening is some point in time, Let's just throw a distraction. And so they, they fake the, the play action, right? And, and what happens to the defenders? The defenders are distracted. And so they're drawn in to, to chasing what they think is the plan. Which leaves receivers wide open downfield. Woo! Hopefully a touchdown. I don't know, but at least a first down. Come on, somebody. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. The, the, here's the point I'm simply trying to make. The goal of the fake is to make you focus on something that isn't happening. If the quarterback has done his job right, the defense has now been led away. And now we have this, 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 this thing happening down the field. And here's what I, I love about this, because if you're on the sidelines, if you're a coach, if you're a teammate, if you're in the stands, guess what we all yell when we see what's happening? Pass! Because we can see what you cannot see. I came to ask you today, how many times has Satan run the play action on you and you don't even know it? You're just, you are literally, you're, you're running in the wrong direction. You're chasing after the wrong goals. You're chasing after the wrong relationship. You're chasing after the wrong passion. You're chasing after the wrong purpose. Satan has run the play action. But I, I need you to know this. According to 2 Corinthians 11, no wonder Satan disguised himself 
himself as an angel of light. He will, he will throw the distraction out there as just like a pickpocket in the middle of a crowd. I love the crowd because I can distract them and take what I want. That's what the enemy has tried to do to your life, distract you from the greater purpose and greater plan God has for you. But I came to tell you today, there's a strategy, a better strategy against the play action, and that's to wake up, oh sleeper. Be sober. Be vigilant. We can actually become aware of what's happening. And even if you can't see it, guess what? You've got a God on high who still sees all things happening. People around you who love you. So instead of disowning us and rejecting us and thinking you know better than us, when I say, yo, baby, it's a pass happening. I'm trying to help you win this game. Win in life. I can see what you can. So I'm going to tell you, open up your eyes. There's a distraction that's happening. Wake up. Be sober. You need to see this isn't the play. This isn't the plan. And whatever you're chasing after, if it's not God's design, it's a distraction. Should I say it again? Squirrel. If it's not God's design, it's a distraction. I'm going to stand on the sidelines. I can see what's happening, bro. I can see it. Uh-uh. You can't right now. Thank God for every godly parent that, that tells that child who's so caught up in the middle of, of, of the deception and the distraction, this isn't the design. You're called to win, not get faked out. All right, go on. Continue on. I know, I know. 1140, 1140. I got to hurry up. Here we go. Here's a scheme that all too often happens right here in church. Division. Division. Ever since the fall of man, Satan's had this method, this scheme. If I can't win against them, then let me get them to fight. Come on, Adam turned on Eve right away, right? It's the woman you gave me. He turned on her right away, bro. You just threw me under the bus, man. But now look what happened. Because he didn't allow God to transform him, he transferred it to his son. Now Cain turns on Abel. And now it gets passed on from generation to generation. Aaron and Miriam. Aaron and Miriam, brother and sister, turn on Moses, the man of God. And they say, well, don't we hear from God as well? Clearly you don't, because now you've got leprosy, honey. <laughs> you, you don't, the Bible's awesome, y'all. The Bible, I love the Bible. It's amazing. Yeah. They turn on, on Moses, and God, God lets them both have it. Here it is. All of Jesus' disciples, save the youngest. I want to thank God for a young generation that will still come to the cross when the rest of us are caught up in our lifestyles and our worries and our jobs but there's Jesus dying as a, as, a, as a criminal. And only one is there because everyone else turned on him. Division. This has been Satan's method from the beginning. Can I encourage you today? Don't fall for the scheme. 
Because your struggle is not against saints and it's not against sinners. Your struggle is against Satan. Ephesians 6, 12. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. I know you can't stand her, but your boss is not your enemy. Hallelujah. I, I, I know sometimes you want to choke them out, but your children are not your enemy. I, I, oh, Lord, I, I, I know you know better than most politicians and, and, and most lawyers and people you have to deal with. on a, I know you know better, but they're not your enemy. Your fight is not against flesh and blood. Your fight is against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits. Where? In the heavenly places. That's why Jesus gave us the keys to the kingdom. Because whatever you bind on earth, it's bound in those heavenly places. Whatever you loose on earth, it's loosed in those, those heavenly places. And if you've experienced division in your life, let me say, like, if you're the cause of division, if you're keeping division alive in your family, if you're keeping division alive in this church, today is the day you stop fighting each other and you get on your knees and you start fighting for one another in prayer. Come on, somebody. I, I have never known anybody to hold something in their heart against someone else when they're on their knees constantly praying for them. Oh, you hear me? You want to let go of bitterness? You want to let go of resentment? You want to let go of anger? You want to let go of how you feel towards that individual? What you do is you stop holding it against them and you get on your knees and you fight for them in prayer. And watch what God doesn't do for them. Watch what God does for you. Yeah. Amen. All right, I, I got I to get done. I got to get done. I had to put this next one in here just because I, just, I was a youth pastor. And as a youth pastor, I, I, always, I always got the, well, what had happened was. <laughs> Here's a scheme that I need you, I, I, I need us just to finally call out and get it out. It's called justification. Justification. Come on, don't you hear the enemy telling you everybody sins? Aren't you just convincing yourself, right? Everybody sins. It's really not that big of a deal. For those of you who still struggle with pornography, you can justify it right away. Oh, there's so many people doing it. How many pastors are, do you know one? Do you know, do you know one? Sorry. I used to a long time ago. Sorry. And the Holy Spirit used to convict me so much I would sit there and couldn't even enjoy it. You want to talk about conviction, y'all? Let me tell you my conviction. I would try to watch porn with my friends, and they were, they were enjoying it. I was like this. <laughs> I, was literally, literally, I was shaking like I was freezing. It's like, why are we enjoying this so much? Because this sucks. I came to tell you the Holy Spirit is going to convict you in some way as well. And that conviction is going to lead you to stop justifying. <sighs> my God. And you hear that lie. It's okay. It's not that big of a deal. Besides, God will forgive you anyway. If you're taking notes, just write this down real quick. Satan will attempt to lead you into sin through deception. Okay? Satan will attempt to lead you into sin through deception. But write this. But it's your flesh that will keep you in sin through justification. It's your flesh that will keep you in sin through justification. So Satan tries to, to tempt me through deception, but my flesh, whew, 
flesh will try to keep me there. Here's my question to you today. What deception are you defending? What relationship are you defending? Don't get quiet on me. What addiction are you defending? What attitude are you defending? What mindset are you defending? What insecurity are you defending? What position are you defending? What pride are you defending? What sin are you defending? Why am I defending this deception? Psalms 4.2 says, God says, how long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vanity and seek after lies? I want to prophesy to somebody today, you are going to stop justifying your sin. You are going to stop rationalizing your sin. You are going to stop excusing your sin. You are going to stop defending your sin because God has called you not to live in sin, but to live in freedom from sin. Give me that verse and I got to move on. Galatians 5.13. For you have been called to live in freedom. So don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. That means I can do whatever I want. I'm so free. I can live to do and choose whatever I want. But my freedom is not a reason to make excuses and justify my sinful nature. Instead, use that freedom you have to go and minister and pray with and love on and serve somebody else. My God, this generation is, is foolish when I think just because I can do anything, I should. That freedom is not for you to serve your own selfish desires. That freedom is for you to serve others. Hallelujah. All right, I got I to hurry up. I got to hurry up. Someone say three more. It's a field goal, and then I'm done. I had to put this one in there because Pastor Noel and I were talking about this this week, and we realized one of Satan's probably most un... Uh, one of the schemes that we are most unaware of and that we don't talk about that much is this next one. It's called observation. His scheme of observation. For those of you who played sports, especially those who played football, what happened before the game? What happened after the game? You'd be made to watch footage of the other team. And sometimes you had to watch it again and again and again. Because what happens? It helps you develop a method a scheme, a, a game plan, if you will, to take down your opponent. Satan has been doing this all your life. Observing, watching. I hate to admit this, but Pastor Olga and I will be talking about something sometime, and then I'll jump on social media, and I'll be like, why do I have an ad about that? Come on, that's creepy. It's like, Alexa, shut down. What is happening here? So I, literally, I was, we were just talking about this, and now I'm getting notifications, and I'm getting ads, and I didn't want it. I was just talking about it. This, this stuff is creepy, and, and, and what it's called, it's called artificial intuition. But you know what it really is? It's just an algorithm, right? They're, 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 they're noticing and observing, and, and, and they're studying and recording your actual behaviors and interests. And then that stored information is intuitively dangled in front of you. There was a store called Dottie Couture. Pastor Olga loved a Dottie Couture store. Is it out of, is no longer exist anymore? Yeah, of course it doesn't. Because she bought all their merchandise. <laughs> 
But I promise you, we, she would just mention something and boom, why am I getting ads about Dottie Couture? I don't, Dottie Couture, I can't even say Couture. What is this? And, and then they were in front of me and, and it, was, it, was, it, was, it was inevitable because they knew what Pastor Olga was going to do. Come on, somebody. She was going to click yes. Next day shipping. Come on. Ooh, I don't want the two to three business days. Let me get it manana. Bam, let's go. Oh, the point I'm simply trying to make is this. Since the beginning of creation, Satan is the greatest observer of human behavior. As a result, what he does is, is he has this thorough working knowledge of our reactions, of our desires, of our patterns. He understands our tendencies, and therefore he knows our vulnerabilities. And what happens is he begins to craft these appealing temptations he's dangling the god the dotty couture in front of your face i can't wait to say yes i want it today i feel like i'm talking about somebody's you know uh relational life you want a husband so bad that you won't wait for mr right you settle for right now and that's why none of your children have their father in their life. Because <sighs> Satan's dangled what you wanted because he sees your patterns. He sees your desires. He sees your behavior. So he dangles what, what you want, hoping that you will click ship now. Now. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm trying to simply tell you to become aware of his scheme of observation. Because you need to know this, contrary to popular opinion, Satan cannot read your mind. He is not a mind reader. I'll tell you why. Because firstly, Satan is a created being, just like you and I. He's not a creator. He's part of the creation. So he cannot read your thoughts. Secondly, just because he wanted to be like God doesn't mean he's anything at all like God. Your God is omnipotent. Your God is omniscient. Your God is omnipresent. Your God is all there, all the time, all powerful, all knowing. Satan is not a mind reader. Only God knows your thoughts. Not Satan. So even though he can't read your thoughts, you know what he does? He does everything he can to affect your thoughts, your thought pattern. Consider what he does. According to 2 Corinthians 4, I just, let's just throw up the list if I have it, Tiana. He has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. This is what the Bible tells us he's done. See, again, he can't read my, my thoughts, so he tries to affect my thoughts. He and his demons are always communicating false doctrine. That's why I'm watching Christians who one time stood on the stage now have bought into doctrines of devils, seducing spirits, because this is what Satan does. He communicates false doctrine. And we see examples in Scripture where Satan has tempted and influenced people of God. Eve walked with God daily. Daily she was with, literally walked with God. And Satan was able to tempt and influence her to eat the fruit that was forbidden. He was able to tempt and influence David to take a census of the people of Israel and put his, 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 belief, his belief, his his power in the, in the numbers that I have and not keep my belief and my trust in God. He was able to tempt and influence Peter, as I told you last week, to be stupid and try to rebuke Jesus. Jesus, after Jesus said, I've got to die, but on the third day, I'm coming back. He has been able to tempt and influence Judas to ultimately sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. 
well, it's done after the Holy Spirit comes, right? Nope. Acts chapter 5. He was able to tempt and influence. Not read their thoughts, but influence those thoughts. A man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira. And they end up lying to the Holy Spirit. And I haven't seen this in church yet, and I pray I never do, but guess what happened in church when they lied to the Holy Spirit? Dead. What's that? What's that skull face, right? Crossbones, right? Dead. Not that it was funny. <laughs> the Bible tells us that reverential fear, awe, came on the church. Dr. Brown, I pray that doesn't happen in these last days, but if it does, whoo, Jesus, awe is going to come back. I can't play with this holy God. I can't treat his spirit, his word, his truth, his presence however I want to. I can't touch the ark and think I'm strong enough to stabilize God's purpose and will. I've got to be smarter, yes. not stronger. So that Satan can't outwit me. He's the greatest observer of human thoughts. And right now, I need you to know that even though he doesn't know what you're thinking, it is not hard for him to, to ultimately know what you're thinking. If he's the one giving you your thoughts. So instead, do what we taught you last week, Romans 12, 2. Do not copy the behavior, the customs, the culture of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By renewing your mind, by changing the way you think. And guess what happens when I stop listening to Satan's lies and instead I allow God to transform my thought life? Then you will learn to know God's will for you, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. Somebody say amen. All right, we got two more. Can we, can we get the little two-point conversion in or no? Y'all sure? Y'all sure? Because I get it. If you need to go, then just like, what we do back in old church? Sneak out. And say, I'm, I'm out of here. Observation number six. Number seven. I've been, I've been unknowingly sometimes knowingly guilty of this next one. This scheme is called accusation. People have hurt me, they've wronged me, and even when they've come to me asking for forgiveness, sometimes I still hold their past against them. Accusation. Think about it, right? The Bible tells us they actually identify Satan as the accuser. Accuser because he's the one always bringing up your past, always. You're trying to move forward in God, and he's always trying to remind you where you were before God. Trying to remind you where you were after you found God. You just need to remind him, but I'm not there now. The, the, the accuser. He says, you don't deserve God's grace. So what does he tell us to do? He tells us instead, do everything you can to earn God's grace. And that's why there are so many religions across the face of this planet. They number in the countless thousands because he has duped humanity into believing they don't deserve grace. So earn grace. And listen to me. When we buy into that lie that we have to earn grace, we end up stressed. We end up overburdened. We end up feeling inadequate. And then we become Pharisees and we start passing judgment on other people who need to earn God's grace as well. And I came to tell you today, why are you so focused on something You've already been given. God's grace was freely given. It is grace. It wouldn't be grace if I had to earn it. Romans eleven six. 6. It is by grace. And if it is by grace, then it cannot be based on works. For for works, grace would no longer be grace. 
Grace is something I could never earn and I'll never deserve. But God is a gracious God. And in his unfailing, unending love, he chose me, chose you. I'm a recipient, not of my good works, but of God's great grace. Anybody in this house thankful for that today? Can you just put your hands together and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But we hear these accusations constantly. And this accusation that I, I felt in my own, my own mind many times is your past defines you. You know, the next time Satan tells you that your past defines you, you have to learn to say, liar! <laughs> liar, liar, pale of fire, liar! You a lie, devil. You are a liar! My identity is not defined by my past. My identity is defined by my Christ. Colossians 3.3, for I died to this life and my real life is hidden in Christ in God. My past self, my current self, my future self are not defined by what I've done. My past self, my current self, my future self is defined not only by what he did on that cross, but what he's still doing actively in my life today. I'm defined, not by accusation. I'm defined by this next one, and I'm done right here. I'm defined by this next one, because it's one of his schemes as well. Identification. Identification. As Jesus was being baptized, the Bible tells us as he's going down under the water, the heavens are being ripped open. The Spirit of God descends like a dove upon Jesus. And in that moment, a voice from heaven, the Father, begins to give validation to Jesus' identity. He says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In that moment, God validates Jesus as his Son. But in the same moment that God is bringing validation, look what Satan's doing. He's throwing temptation. He right away is trying to Confuse Jesus' identification. He's basically telling Jesus, prove who you are. Matthew 4, 3, the tempter comes to Jesus and says, if you are the son of God, I want you to know the enemy always comes to test you if you will trust the truth about what God has spoken over your life. Can you trust what God says about you? Because he's going to try to test that. His primary goal is not demonic possession. That's extreme. His primary goal is arguing truth. His primary goal, think about it, Adam and Eve. Did God really say that? Wait, who is God really? He's withholding something from you. He comes to Jesus almost with the same exact temptation. He says, if you are the son of God. I heard the same voice from heaven that everyone else heard. Now I'm going to try to confuse your identity. If you are the son of God, I need you to know that the greatest temptation in our life is trying to find our identity in some other source other than the validation of our father. That's the greatest temptation you and I face on a daily basis, getting validation from somebody we're not married to. Getting validation from, from the boss. Getting validation from the neighbors. Getting validation from our parents. Getting validation from our children. And anytime we fall into temptation, it's typically because we've tried to find a source other than the Almighty. He alone can tell you who you really are. He's the designer. Who knows better than the designer? He knows you inside and out. 
And I want to remind you today as I finish, 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen generation. Satan's going to try to confuse you. He's coming for your identity. Wait, no, no. Wait, uh, but, no, but aren't, you, aren't you really a man trapped in a woman's body? Aren't you really a woman trapped in a, in a man's body? Whew. I ain't got time to harp on this, but we are hearing about, about case after case of people who went through gender transformation and now they're wishing they could... Because they're starting to understand who they really... They're no longer listening to the lies of this culture. I don't care how you feel about this on a personal level. I don't care about the culture. I care about what the word of God says. And the Bible tells us he created us male and female. That's how he did it by design. You got a problem with that? Take it up with the eternal God. It's his word, not mine. The bottom line is just simply this. The enemy is coming for your identity. He's trying to confuse your identity. So I just want to remind you what God says about your identity. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. Because he called you out of darkness the darkness of this culture, the deceit of this generation. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous lights. Truth be told, I can't stop all of Satan's schemes. So you know what I have to learn to do? I can't stop the scheme. So I got to block it. I'll block it. How do, I, how do I block the scheme? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide your word in my heart that I might not fall into the scheme of sin. And the, I, I, I can't stop the lies. I got to learn to block them. I can't stop the deceit. I've got to learn to block. I can't stop the accusation. I've got to learn to block. I, I, I can't stop the, the distraction, and I, I, but I got to learn to block. I came to tell you, I can't stop him coming from my identity. I've got to learn to block it. Can I tell you the truth? I hate when my kids don't listen to me. I hate when I tell them to do something and they're ignoring me. But you know how they can justify it? Ella does this all the time. Ella can't hear me because she got her headphones on. Ella, clean your room. Girl, why don't you clean your room? Wh what, daddy? <laughs> she can justify not listening to me because she's got them headphones. She's blocking out. Ooh, I'm going to flip this and make this something holy right now. So, so, Michael, tell, disparage me, my friend. Speak down to me. Just, just, tell me just, just tell me something nasty about it. Go ahead. Just let me have it. Let me talk about my ears. Talk about my hairline. Talk about my waistline. Come on. Let me have it. Come on. Come on. Talk, talk bad about me. Come on. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. It's okay. God will forgive you. Come on. Come on. Go on. My, my shirt is. I'm a jerk. Come on. Keep it going. I'm a jerk. Come on. Keep it coming. Keep it going. Keep it coming. Pastor Olga can help you out if you need anything. Just ask her. She'll give you whatever you need. Give it to me. Give it to me. Come on. Do Look at all that gray hair. Come on, give it to me, Jess. Thank you. Come on. What else? My ears are massive. Come on. What else? I'm bony, skinny. I'm a sweaty. A big, big old head. Bring it. Now, Dev, fight it for me, my guy. Fight it for me. Give me some praise and worship. Give me some praise. Just give me, give me some praise and worship. Give it to me loud. Give it to me loud, my guy. Give it to me loud. Give it to me. Give it to me loud. Give it to me loud. Keep it coming. Keep what? 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 
I am who God says I am. I am more than an overcomer through him who loves me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me. What'd you say, devil? What'd you say? I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above. What'd you say? What is, what's that about my identity? What's that about my purpose? What's that about what I've done? What's that about where I've been? I'm sorry. I can't hear you, devil. I know you're trying to lie. I know you're trying to deceive, but I can't hear you. I'm blocked it with the truth of what God says about me. I am a chosen generation. I am a royal priesthood. Somebody put your hands together and let the devil know. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. La, 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 la. I am who God says I am. Stand your feet with me. I'm done. Stand your feet with me. I got to take these devils off because I can't hear anything. Hallelujah. The truth of the matter is this. You need to learn to start drowning out the devil's lies with the truth of God's word. When I plug, listen to me, when I read this book, listen, 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 listen. When I read this book, I'm not just reading a nation's history. I'm not just reading of an old covenant fulfilled and a new one established. When I read this book, I am plugging into God's voice. How many of you say, God, I wish you would speak to me? He's like, I have. 66 different times. I, I have. I have. And those of you who are overcoming today, it's because you've plugged into God's truth, His voice. Somebody help me testify right now that this thing right here has helped you block out deceit. This thing has helped you block out accusation. This thing right here has helped you block out distraction. This thing has helped you block out division. This thing has helped you block out justification. This thing right here has helped you block out your identity. Who am I really? Because this thing defines me. His truth. Your word is truth. I am who you say.